0: Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.
1: This recording of Charles Dickinson's timeless classic, A Christmas Carol, was adapted by Dennis D. Skirvin of Wilmington, Delaware for five actors to read. The part of Scrooge is read by Mr. Nick Waller. The narrator is Mr. James Cassis. All of the other parts are read by Miss Anthea Piscaric, Mr. Tony Maxwell, and Mr. John Prendergast. This special recording has been produced for charitable fundraising purposes only, and not for commercial sale. Everyone involved in its production has done so voluntarily, without remuneration or consideration of any kind. Dickens got his inspiration for A Christmas Carol in October of 1843 and finished it in six short weeks, before the end of November. He worked in a fury of excitement and is quoted as saying that as he wrote, I wept, laughed, and wept again, exciting myself in a most extraordinary manner. The little book was an instant success, and he kept the price low so ordinary people could buy it. Throughout his career, Dickens gave many public readings of his works. A Christmas Carol was a favorite. He read it for charity, and his first reading took three hours. He eventually cut it to two hours. And now, for your enjoyment and spiritual edification, we present this simple yet compelling presentation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol.
0: To begin with, Marley was as dead as a doornail. That he was dead must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name above the warehouse door. The firm was known as Scrooge and Marley. Oh, but Scrooge was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner.' The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say, "'My dear Scrooge, how are you? When will you come to see me?' No beggars implored him for a trifle, no children asked him the time, no one ever once inquired the way to such and such a place of Scrooge. Even the blind men's dogs knew him, and after he passed them, they'd wag their tails as though to say, ''No eye at all is better than an evil-eyed dark master.'' But what did Scrooge care? To edge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance, was the very thing he liked. Once upon a time, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy at his counting house. It was cold, biting weather. The city clocks had just chimed three, but it was quite dark already. The door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk, Bob Cratchit, who in a dismal little room was copying letters. Scrooge's young nephew, Fred, had
2: just come in and wished him a
0: very merry Christmas.
2: Christmas? bah, humbug! Christmas a humbug, uncle. You don't mean that, I'm sure. Oh, but he did mean it, and much more. If I could work my will, every idiot who goes around with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Keep Christmas in your own way, nephew, and let me keep it in mine. But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good may it do you. Much good it has ever done you. I have always thought of Christmas time as a kind, forgiving, charitable time. The only time in the long year when people open their hearts and think of others as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold in my pocket, I believe it has done me good, and will do me good, and I say God bless it. Bob Cratchit applauded. Let me hear another sound from you, Cratchit, And you'll keep your Christmas by losing your job. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow.
0: But Scrooge refused, and when his nephew left the shop, two portly gentlemen stepped
2: in to see Scrooge. They stood in his office with hats off and bowed. Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Marley died seven years ago this very night. Uh, We have no doubt his generosity is well represented by his surviving partner. At this festive season, Mr. Scrooge, it is especially desirable that we make some provision for the poor, who suffer greatly. Are there no prisons?
0: The gentleman assured him there were plenty of prisons, and when he asked about the workhouses, the treadmill, and the
2: poor law, they assured him they were very busy too. Because they scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body to those in need, we are endeavouring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. At this time, want is keenly felt. Uh, What shall I put you down for? Nothing. My, you wish to remain anonymous. I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I helped support the establishments I'd mentioned. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, and and many would rather die. If they would rather die, then they had better do it, and decrease the surplus population. Besides, it's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business, and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good afternoon, gentlemen. At length, the hour of shutting up the counting-house arrived.
0: With an ill will, Scrooge dismounted his stool and said to Bob Cratchit, You'll
2: want all day tomorrow, I suppose. If quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient and it's not fair. It's only once a year, Mr. Scrooge. The poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier next morning.
0: Scrooge left with a growl and went home. He lived in gloomy chambers which once belonged to Jacob Marley. Unlocking the door, he was startled to see Marley's face instead of the door knocker. Marley? The face vanished, and Scrooge went in and locked the door. Later, in his dressing gown, he sat by the fire to take his gruel, but Marley's face appeared on the fireplace to haunt him again. Humbug! Scrooge paced the floor. When he sat back down, his chamber bell suddenly rang, followed by every bell in the house. Then he heard chains being dragged up the stairs towards his door. It's humbug! I won't believe it! Scrooge's color changed when Marley's ghost came into the room. Marley in his pigtail, usual waistcoat and boots. The long chain he drew was clasped about his waist and wound about him like a tail. What do you want with me? Much... When Scrooge blamed the apparition on a stomach disorder, Marley's ghost raised a frightful cry and shook his chain with such an appalling
2: noise that Scrooge nearly fainted. Dreadful apparition! Why do spirits walk the earth? Why do they come to me? Every man's spirit is required to walk among his fellow men, and if it goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander the world "'Oh, woe is me, and witness what it cannot share, "'but might have shared on earth and turned to happiness.'
0: "'The ghost raised a cry and shook its chain and wrung its shadowy hands. "'You
2: are bound by a chain, Jacob. Tell me why.' "'I wear the chain I forged in life. I put it on of my own free will. "'You don't know the weight of the chain you wear, Ebenezer.' It was as heavy as mine seven Christmas eves ago. You have steadily labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain. Old Jacob Marley, tell me more. Speak comfort to me. I have none to give. I cannot rest. I cannot linger. My spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole. Now weary journeys lie before me. But you were always a good man of business, Jacob. Jacob. The ghost wrung its hands and cried out in pain, "'Business? Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. At this time of year I suffer most. Oh, Why did I never raise my eyes in life to that blessed star which led the wise men To a poor abode. The ghost had little time left to visit with Scrooge. I have procured a chance of hope for you, Ebenezer, a chance of escaping my fate. I have come to warn you that you will be haunted by three spirits. Scrooge was so
0: frightened he declined the offer, but the ghost warned him that without their visits there was no hope of escaping his fate.
2: Expect the first tomorrow, when the bell tolls one. "'Expect the second the next night, and the third upon the next, at the stroke of twelve. "'Remember what has passed between us.'" The apparition went to the window and beckoned Scrooge to look out. The air was
0: filled with moaning phantoms, all in heavy chains. They were miserable because they tried to interfere for good in human matters, but had lost the power. In a moment they and Marley's ghost were gone, and Scrooge hurried back to bed. When Scrooge awoke, the heavy bell outside chimed twelve. It was past two
2: when he went to bed. Why, it isn't possible. I can't have slept through the whole day and far into another night. When the clock chimed one, light
0: flashed up in the room, and he was face to face with an unearthly visitor. It was like a child, yet more like an old man. Its long hair was white, and yet the face had not a wrinkle. It wore a tunic of white and a lustrous belt. It held a holly branch in its hand, and a bright light came from the crown of its head. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am the ghost of
3: Christmas past. Take heed, rise and walk with me. Bear but a touch of my hand, and you shall be upheld.
0: Scrooge took its hand, and they passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either side. The city had entirely vanished, Now it was a clear, cold winter day, with snow upon the ground. Good heaven! I was bred in this place! I was a boy here! Scrooge sensed a thousand odors in the air, each one connected with a thousand thoughts and hopes and joys and cares long forgotten. A tear dropped from his eye.
3: Your lip is trembling. And what is that upon your cheek? Scrooge muttered something and begged the ghost to go on.
0: You recollect the way? Remember it? I could walk it blindfold. They walked along the road. Scrooge recognized every gate and post and tree until a little market town appeared, with its bridge, its church, and winding river. Some boys on ponies came trotting towards them, shouting joyfully. These are but
3: shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us.
0: Scrooge saw other cheerful travelers come on, and knowing them all, he rejoiced. Why was he so happy to hear them wish each other Merry Christmas? What was Merry Christmas to Scrooge?
3: The boarding school up ahead is not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends,
0: is left there still. I know. The ghost and Scrooge entered the school and slipped into one of the rooms where a lonely boy was reading near a feeble fire. Scrooge wept to see his poor forgotten self as he used to be. "'Suddenly a man came outside the window, leading a donkey by the bridle. "'Why,
2: it's dear old honest Ali Baba. "'Yes, yes, I know. "'One Christmas, when yonder solitary child was left here all alone, "'he did come with Valentine.' "'To hear Scrooge go on in a voice between laughing and crying
0: "'would have been a surprise to his business friends in the city. "'Then suddenly he
2: quieted and cried. "'Poor boy!' I wish. No, it's too late. What is the matter? Well, Nothing. There was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should like to have given him something, that's all. Let us see another Christmas.
0: The room became darker, dirtier. Scrooge's former self grew larger, and he was alone again, with all the other boys gone for the holidays. He was pacing the room despairingly, when his little sister, Fan, ran in and threw her arms around him.
4: Dear brother, I've come to bring you home. Father is so much kinder now that home's like heaven. He spoke so gently to me one night. I wasn't afraid to ask him once more if you might come home. And he said yes, and sent me to bring you. You're never to come back here. And where to be together all the Christmas long.
0: The schoolmaster had Scrooge's trunk tied to the top of the chaise. The children bade him goodbye, and they drove gaily for home.
3: Your sister Fan was a delicate creature, whom a breath might have withered, but she had a large heart. So she had. I will not gainsay it, Spirit. God forbid. She died a woman, and had children. One child. True.
0: Your nephew. The school faded, and the ghost and Scrooge were in a busy city where shadowy passengers went by and carts and coaches battled for the way. It was Christmas time again, and the streets were lighted up. The ghost stopped at a warehouse and asked Scrooge if he knew it. Know it? I was apprenticed here. They went in and saw an old gentleman sitting behind a high desk. "'Why, it's old Fezziwig! Bless his heart, it's Fezziwig alive again!' Old Fezziwig laid down his pen, looked up at the clock, and laughed. He called out in a fat, jovial voice,
4: "'Yo-ho, yo-ho there! Ebenezer! Dick!'
0: He called to Scrooge's former self, now a grown young man, and to Dick Wilkins, his fellow apprentice. Both came running. Scrooge was so delighted to see him again.
4: "'Yo-ho, my boys! No more work tonight!' christmas eve dick christmas ebenezer let's have the shutters up before a man can say jack robinson
0: you wouldn't believe how quickly they converted the warehouse into a snug bright little ballroom in came the fiddler and mrs fezziwig and the three miss fezziwigs all lovable and beaming in came six young followers whose hearts they broke and in came all the other guests and friends The fiddler began, and away they all went, dancing down the middle of the warehouse and up again. And there were cake and pies and wine and beer and so much to eat. At eleven, Mr. and Mrs. Fezziwig wished each guest a merry Christmas as they went out. The two apprentices went too, praising Fezziwig. Watching all of this, Scrooge was nearly out of his wits. He remembered everything, enjoyed everything and underwent the strangest agitation. But then he noticed the ghost looking at him.
3: A small matter, to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. Small? Why, is it not? Fesewig has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money. Is that so much that he deserves this praise? It isn't that, spirit.
0: The happiness he gives is quite as great as if it cost a fortune. Scrooge felt the spirit's glance and stopped. The ghost asked him what was wrong.
2: "'Nothing wrong. Only I should like to be able to say a word or two to my clerk just now. That's all.' The scene changed again.
0: Scrooge and the ghost stood in the open air and then in a room where Scrooge saw himself a man in the prime of life. There was a greedy, restless motion in his eye. He sat by a fair young girl in whose eyes there were tears— She spoke softly to him.
4: "'Another idol, a golden one, has displaced me. And if it can share and comfort you in time to come, as I would have tried to do, I have no just cause to grieve.'
2: "'This is the even-handed dealing of the world. There is nothing on which it is so hard as poverty, and there is nothing it professes to condemn with such severity as the pursuit of wealth.'
4: I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one until the master passion gain engrosses you, have I not?
2: What then? Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I am not changed towards you.
4: Our contract is an old one, made when we were poor and content, when you were another man. That which promised happiness when we were one in heart is fraught with misery now that we are two. How often I have thought of this, I will not say. But I can release you.
2: I have never sought release.
4: Not in words, but in a changed nature, in an altered spirit, in everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. If this had never been between us, tell me, would you try to win me now? (laughs) Ah, no.
0: Young Scrooge seemed to yield to the justice of this supposition in spite of himself.
4: If you were free today, I can't believe you would choose a dowerless girl, you who weigh everything by gain. I release you, Ebenezer, with a full heart for the love of him you once were. "'May you be happy in the life you have chosen.'
0: She left him, and they parted.
2: "'Spirit, show me no more. Conduct me home. Why do you delight to torture me?' "'One shadow more.' "'No more. I don't wish to see it. Show me no more.' Suddenly they were in the home of his
0: former love, now grown and with husband and children. The father came in, laden with Christmas presents.' By degrees, the children went off to bed, and
2: husband and wife talked by the fireside. Bell, I saw an old friend of yours this afternoon, Mr. Scrooge.
4: <laughs> Mr. Scrooge!
2: I passed his office window and could scarcely help seeing him. His partner lies upon the point of death, and there he sat alone, quite alone in the world. Spirit, take me from this place, I cannot bear it. But the ghost refused, telling
0: Scrooge not to blame him, that these things were but shadows of the past. Leave me! Take me back! Haunt me no longer! Scrooge seized the extinguisher cap and pressed it down upon the spirit's head. The spirit dropped beneath it, while Scrooge sank into a heavy sleep in his own bedroom. Scrooge awoke at the stroke of one, but no shape appeared. After a quarter of an hour, a ghostly light came from the adjoining room. He shuffled to the door and put his hand upon the lock. Inside, the ghost of Christmas present called to him. Come in, Ebenezer! Scrooge went in. The room was hung with living greens, a perfect grove of holly, mistletoe, and ivy. A mighty blaze roared up the chimney, and a jolly giant sat easy upon a couch, "'Glorious to see.' "'Come in! Come in and know me better, men!' Scrooge entered timidly and hung his head before this spirit. He was not the dogged Scrooge he had been. "'I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me!' Scrooge reverently did so. The spirit wore a green robe, bordered with white fur, and on its head a holly wreath.' Its brown curls were long and free as
2: its genial face and its joyful air. You have never seen the like of me before. Never, but conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion, and I learnt a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have something to teach me, let me profit by it. Scrooge took hold of the
0: ghost's robe. All changed to a city on snowy Christmas morning. There was nothing cheerful in the climate or the town, yet everyone was happy. The steeples called the people to church, and away they went with gay faces. Other poor souls, who had to work, went by carrying their dinners. Scrooge watched the ghost sprinkle incense on them from an uncommon torch, and noted how it brought good humor.
2: Is there a peculiar flavor to what you sprinkle? And would it apply to any kind of dinner on this day? THE FLAVOR IS MY
3: OWN, AND IT APPLIES TO ANY DINNER KINDLY GIVEN, BUT TO A POOR ONE
2: MOST, BECAUSE IT NEEDS IT MOST. SPIRIT, WHY DO YOU DESIRE TO CRAMP THESE POOR PEOPLE'S OPPORTUNITIES OF INNOCENT ENJOYMENT AND DEPRIVE THEM OF THEIR MEANS OF DINING EVERY SEVENTH DAY, OFTEN THE ONLY DAY ON WHICH THEY CAN BE SAID TO DINE AT ALL? I? YOU SEEK TO CLOSE THESE PLACES ON THE SEVENTH DAY, AND IT COMES TO THE SAME THING. I seek? Forgive me if I am wrong. It has been done in your name, or at least in that of your family.
3: There are some upon this earth of yours who lay claim to know us, and who do their deeds of passion, pride, hatred, and selfishness in our name, who are estranged to us, and all are kith and kin as if they had never lived. Remember that, and charge their doings on themselves, not
0: us. Scrooge promised that he would, And they went on, into the suburbs and straight to Scrooge's clerk's house. The spirit smiled and blessed Bob Cratchit's dwelling with the sprinkling of his torch. Think of that! Bob with just fifteen bob a week! Assisted by daughter Belinda, Mrs. Cratchit laid the tablecloth, while Master Peter Cratchit plunged a fork into the saucepan of potatoes. He wore a monstrous shirt-collar, which was Bob's, conferred upon his son in honor of the day. And now two smaller Cratchits, boy and girl, came tearing in, screaming and dancing about the table. With an eye on the door, Mrs. Cratchit spoke to her brood.
4: "'What is keeping your precious father? And your brother, Tiny Tim? And where's Martha?'
0: No sooner had she said this, Martha came in. The two little Cratchits shouted with joy. Mrs. Cratchit kissed her a dozen times and took off her shawl and bonnet.
4: Why, bless your heart alive, my dear. How late you are.
0: Martha was apprenticed to a milliner, and she said there was much work to finish before she could leave for Christmas.
4: Well, never mind so long as you are come. Sit ye down before the fire, my dear, and have a warm. Lord bless ye.
0: The two little Cratchits spied their father coming, and quickly convinced their big sister to hide. And in came Bob, with his threadbare clothes donned up and brushed look seasonable, and tiny Tim upon his shoulder, Tim who bore a crutch and had his limbs supported by an iron frame. Bob was disappointed on not seeing Martha. Why, where's our Martha?
4: Not coming.
0: Not coming upon Christmas Day! Martha came out prematurely from behind the closet door and ran into his arms while the two young Cratchits hustled Tiny Tim off to hear the pudding singing in the copper pot.
4: And how did little Tim behave?
2: As good as gold and better. He said he hoped people saw him in church because he was a cripple, and it might be pleasant to them to remember on Christmas Day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. Tiny Tim, escorted by his brother
0: and sister, came back to his stool before the fire. "'Master Peter and the two young Cratchits returned in high procession with the goose. "'Such a bustle ensued as the family whirled about preparing the dinner. "'At last they sat down and said grace. "'Mrs. Cratchit plunged a carving knife into the goose, "'and one murmur of delight arose all around. "'I don't believe there ever was such a goose cooked. "'It's wonderful!' "'After the meal Mrs. Cratchit brought the pudding in, smiling proudly.' And, oh, what a wonderful pudding. Bob Cratchit said it was her greatest success. Everybody had something to say about it, until at last the dinner was done. Then the family drew round the hearth, and Bob proposed a Christmas wish. A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. The family re-echoed the sentiment, but Tiny Tim said it best. God
4: bless us, everyone.
0: He sat very close to his father's side. Bob held his withered hand, as if he dreaded that he might be taken from him. Scrooge looked on with an interest he had never felt before.
2: Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live.
3: I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future... The child will die. Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared. If these shadows remain unaltered, none other of my race will find him here. What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it, and decrease the surplus population.
0: Scrooge hung his head to hear his own words quoted by the spirit, and was overcome with penitence and grief.
3: Men, forbear thy wicked cant until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is. Will you decide who shall live, who shall die? It may be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's
0: child. Trembling, Scrooge cast his eyes upon the ground, but he raised them speedily on hearing Bob Cratchit propose a toast to him.
2: Mr. Scrooge, I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast.
4: The founder of the feast, indeed. Ooh, I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind, and I hope he'd have a good appetite for it.
2: My dear, the the children, Christmas Day.
4: It should be Christmas, I am sure, to drink the health of such an odious man as Mr. Scrooge. I'll drink his health for your sake, and the day's. Not for his. Long life to him, a Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. He'll be very merry, I have no doubt.
0: Scrooge's name cast a dark shadow on the party. After it passed, they were ten times merrier. They were not a handsome family, and their clothes were scanty, but they were happy. They looked happier yet in the bright sprinklings of the spirit's torch. Scrooge had his eye upon them, and especially on Tiny Tim, until they faded from view. It was getting dark, and snowing heavily. Scrooge and the spirit went along the busy streets. The brightness of the roaring fires and kitchens, parlors, and all sorts of rooms was wonderful. But suddenly they stood upon a bleak moor, where nothing grew but moss and rank grass. "'What place is this?'
3: A place where miners live, who labor in the bowels of the earth.
0: But they know me, see? A light shone from the window of a hut. Inside they found a cheerful company assembled round a fire. An old, old man and woman, with their children and their children's children, and another generation beyond that, were decked out in holiday attire. The old man sang a Christmas song. The others joined in the chorus. The spirit and Scrooge soon left and sped out to sea, to a dismal reef where a lighthouse stood. But even here, two men sat at rough table and wished each other Merry Christmas in their can of grog. The elder one struck up a sturdy song. The ghost and Scrooge went on until they lighted on a ship, where they stood beside the ghostly figures of the crewmen in their stations. Every man hummed a Christmas tune or had a Christmas thought "'or spoke of some bygone Christmas day. "'Scrooge was surprised to find himself in a bright, gleaming room "'with the spirit smiling at his side "'and looking at his nephew Fred and hearing him laugh. "'Fred's wife laughed, too, and so did their assembled friends. "'Fred gleefully informed them. "'He said Christmas was a humbug as I live. "'He believed it, too.' "'Scrooge's niece said it brought even more shame on Scrooge.' She was exceedingly pretty, with a dimpled capital face, a ripe little mouth, and the sunniest pair of eyes you
2: ever saw. He's a comical old fellow, and not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him.
4: I'm sure he is very rich, Fred. At least you always tell me so.
2: What of that, my dear? His wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do any good with it. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. He hasn't the satisfaction of thinking (laughs) that he is ever going to benefit us with it. The others all said they had no patience with him, but his nephew felt differently. I am sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. Here he takes it into his head to dislike us. He won't come to dine with us. What's the consequence? He doesn't lose much of a dinner.
4: (laughs) Indeed, I think he loses a very good dinner.
2: Everybody else agreed. Well, I'm very glad to hear it, because I haven't great faith in these young housekeepers. What do you say, Topper? Topper clearly had his eye upon one of
0: Scrooge's niece's sisters, for he answered that a bachelor was a wretched outcast who had no right to express an opinion on the subject, whereat Scrooge's niece's sister
2: blushed.
4: You go on, Fred. He never finishes what he begins to say. He is such a ridiculous fellow.
2: I was only going to say that the consequence of his disliking us is he loses some pleasant moments, which could do him no harm. I mean to invite him every year, whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. He may rail at Christmas till he dies, but he might think better of it if I go to him each year and say, Uncle Scrooge, how are you? They played a game where Fred had to think of something and the rest must find out what. The
0: questioning quickly revealed it was a rather disagreeable animal who talked sometimes and lived in London and walked about the streets and wasn't a dog or a cat or a bear. At each new question, Scrooge's nephew laughed. Until at last the plump
2: sister cried out,
4: It's your Uncle Scrooge! Yes!
2: He has given us plenty of merriment and it would be ungrateful not to drink his health. So I say, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, Uncle
0: Scrooge. The scene passed off, and the spirit and Scrooge traveled on. They stood beside sickbeds by struggling men and by poverty. The spirit left his blessing in misery's every refuge, and he taught Scrooge his precepts. In appearance, the ghost grew older. Scrooge questioned him about it.
2: Are spirits' lives so short?
3: My life upon this globe is very brief. It ends at midnight. The time
2: draws near. Forgive me for asking, but I see something strange protruding from your skirts. From its robe, the spirit brought forth a boy
0: and girl, wretched, frightful, and miserable. Kneeling, they clung upon the outside of its garment. Scrooge started back, appalled. Spirit, are they yours?
3: They are man's this boy is ignorance this girl is want beware them both but most of all beware this boy for on his brow i see that written which is doom unless the writing be erased deny it have they no refuge or resource are there no prisons
0: are there no workhouses the bell struck twelve and the ghost vanished looking up Scrooge beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground. The phantom silently approached, seeming to scatter gloom and mystery. Scrooge bent down upon his knee.
2: "'I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come?' The spirit pointed onward with its hand. "'You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not yet happened, but will happen. Is that so, spirit?' The spirit inclined its head. Scrooge trembled. Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any spectre I have seen. But as I know your purpose is to do me good, I am prepared to bear you company, and do it with a thankful heart. Lead on. The night is waning
0: fast. Scrooge followed the phantom into the heart of the city, where merchants hurried along, conversing in groups and checking their watches. The spirit stopped by one little knot of
2: businessmen to listen. I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. Died last night, I believe. I thought he'd never die. I suppose he's left his money to his company. He hasn't left it to me. I I do know that. (laughs) This pleasantry was received with a general laugh. It's likely to be a very cheap funeral. I don't know anyone who'll go. I don't mind going uh, if a lunch is provided. But I must be fed. Another laugh, and then they strolled
0: away. Scrooge knew the men and looked to the spirit for an explanation. The phantom only pointed to two more businessmen meeting. Well, old Scratch has got his own at last, eh? The other man nodded and remarked about the cold weather. Then the two walked away. Scrooge and the spirit went into a part of the town racked by crime, filth, and misery to a shop where a gray-haired rascal, Old Joe, bought refuse and smoked his pipe. A woman, Mrs. Dilber, slunk in with a heavy bundle, but a man quickly followed her, and recognizing one another, they laughed.
4: Ha! Look here, Old Joe, here's a chance. If we haven't all met here without meaning it. Come
2: into the parlour. We're all suitable to our calling. We're well matched. Come, into the
0: parlor. While old Joe smoked, Mrs. Dilber threw her bundle on the floor and sat down on a stool, looking with a bold defiance at the other two.
4: Every person has a right to take care of themselves. He always did. That's true
3: indeed. No man more so. Who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose.
4: No, indeed.
3: If he wanted to keep him after he was dead, the old screw, he should have been nicer in his lifetime. If he had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when death struck, instead of gasping out his last, all alone.
4: It's the truest word that ever was spoke. It's a judgment on him.
3: Open that bundle, old Joe. Let me know the value of it. I'm not afraid to be the first, nor afraid for her to see it. We know we were helping
0: ourselves before we met here. It's no sin. "'Open the bundle, Joe!' Old Joe appraised the plunder. There were a seal or two, a pencil case, a pair of sleeve buttons, and a brooch. Sheets and towels, wearing apparel, bed curtains, blankets, and more. He carefully added them up. Then suddenly he said,
2: "'I hope he didn't die of anything catching, eh?' "'Don't be afraid of that. I
0: ain't so fond of his company that I'd loiter about him for such things if he did!' Scrooge watched and listened in horror, with a detestation and disgust which could hardly have been greater, as though they had been marketing the corpse itself. Job produced a flannel bag of money, and as he settled with each, the man laughed and said, <laughs>
3: "'This is the end of it, you see. He frightened everyone away from him when he was alive to profit us when he was dead.'
2: "'Spirit, I see, I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own.' My life tends that way now, merciful heaven. What is this? Scrooge recoiled in terror, for the scene had suddenly changed,
0: and before him lay the body of this man, plundered and bereft, on a bed beneath a ragged sheet. The phantom pointed to the head. Scrooge longed to uncover
2: it, but couldn't. Spirit, this is a fearful place. In leaving it, I shall not leave its lesson. Trust me. Let us go still the ghost pointed to the head i understand you and i would do it if i could but i have not the power spirit i have not the power again it seemed to look upon him if there is any person in town who feels emotion caused by this man's death show that person to me spirit i
0: beseech you the phantom spread its dark robe like a wing and revealed a room where children played and the young mother sat by, anxiously expecting someone. Finally, her husband returned, looking careworn and depressed. Yet there was an expression of delight in his face, of which he felt ashamed.
4: Is it good or bad? Bad. We are quite ruined.
2: No, there's hope yet, Caroline. He is past relenting. He's dead. Caroline was thankful in her soul to hear
0: it and said so. She prayed forgiveness the next moment and was sorry, but the first was the emotion of her heart.
2: What I heard last night when I tried to see him for a week's delay turns out to be true. Our debt will be transferred, but by then we shall be ready with the money. Even if we are not, it would be unlikely to find so merciless a creditor as he was. We may sleep tonight with light hearts, Caroline. It was a happier house for this man's death, the only
0: emotion the ghost could show Scrooge caused by the event was one of pleasure.
2: Let me see some tenderness connected with the death, or that dark chamber spirit which we left just now will be forever present to me. The
0: ghost conducted him to Bob Cratchit's house, which was quiet and permeated with worry. Mother and daughters were sewing, and with the other children, listening to Master Peter read from the Bible. "'and he took a child and set him in the midst of them. "'Hearing this, Mrs. Cratchit laid her work upon the table "'and put a hand to her face. "'Bob came in, and the two young Cratchits got upon his knees "'and kissed his cheek, as if to say, "'Don't be grieved, Father.' "'Bob was very cheerful and spoke pleasantly to all the family. "'He praised Mrs. Cratchit and the girls for the sewing
2: work "'and said they should be done by Sunday.'
4: "'Sunday? You went today, then, Robert?'
2: "'Yes, my dear. I wish you could have gone. "'It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. "'But you'll see it often. "'I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday.' Bob broke
0: down and cried, "'My little child!' "'He went upstairs into the room above, "'which was lighted and hung with Christmas. "'Poor Bob sat next to the bed and kissed the little face. "'He was reconciled to what had happened "'and soon went back to his family quite happy.' and told them of the extraordinary kindness of Mr. Scrooge's nephew, who had expressed his heartfelt sorrow and desire to help.
4: I'm sure he's a good soul.
2: I shouldn't be at all surprised if he got Peter a better job. It's likely, but however and whenever we part from one another, I'm sure we shall not forget poor tiny Tim, shall we, or this first parting among us. Never Father!
0: they all cried. Mrs. Cratchit kissed him, his daughters kissed him, the two young Cratchits kissed him, and Peter shook his hand. Spirit of Tiny Tim, thy
2: childish essence was from God. Spectre, I know that our parting is at hand. Tell me what man that was whom we saw lying dead.
0: The ghost conveyed him to a churchyard. It stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Scrooge advanced trembling.
2: Before I draw nearer to that stone, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be, or are they the shadows of the things that may be only? Still the ghost pointed to the grave. Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends, to which, if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is thus with what you show me. The spirit was immovable. Scrooge crept
0: closer and read upon the stone his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge.
2: Oh, no, no, spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. Why show me these things if I am past all hope? Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by unaltered life. The spirit's hand trembled. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. I will not shut out the lessons the spirits teach. Oh, tell me I may sponge away the writing on this stone. He caught the spectral hand, but the spirit
0: repulsed him. Then it collapsed and dwindled down into his own bedpost. The room was his own, too. Best of all, the time was his own to make amends
2: in. He scrambled out of bed, shouting, I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The Spirit shall strive within me. O oh, Jacob Marley, heaven and the Christmas time be praised. I say it on my knees, old Jacob, on my knees. Scrooge fluttered and glowed with good intentions. He had
0: been sobbing in his conflict with the Spirit, and his face was wet with tears. He was ecstatic
2: to see his bed curtains not torn down. They are here. I am here. The shadows of the things that would have been may be dispelled. They will be. I
0: know they will. His hands were busy at his garments, pulling and turning them inside out.
2: He laughed and cried in the same breath. I am as light as a feather, as happy as an angel. I am as merry as a schoolboy, as giddy as a drunken man. A merry Christmas to everybody, a happy new year to all the world.' He
0: raced about the rooms, remembering everything the spirits had shown him. There's the door by which
2: the ghost of Jacob Marley entered, and there's the corner where the ghost of Christmas presents sat. There's the window where I saw the wandering spirits. It's all true. It all happened.
0: Scrooge laughed, and for being out of practice for so many years, it was
2: a splendid laugh, a most illustrious laugh. "'I don't know what day it is. I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. "'I don't know anything. I'm quite a baby. Never mind. I don't care.' When the church bells rang, he raced to the window
0: and opened it. "'Golden sunlight, heavenly sky, sweet fresh air, merry bells. Oh, glorious, glorious!' He spied a boy in Sunday clothes,
2: and upon questioning him, learned it was Christmas.' It's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like.
0: Of course they can. In his frenzied good cheer, he hired the boy to run to the poulterer's shop in the next street, buy the prize turkey, and bring it back to him with the man
2: so he can tell him where to take it. Come back with him in less than five minutes, and I'll give you half a crown. I'll send it to Bob Cratchit's. He shan't know who sends it. It's twice the size of Tiny Tim.' When the porter's man arrived, what a turkey
0: he brought! Scrooge felt it impossible to carry, so he ordered a cab. Chuckling, he paid for the turkey and the cab and the boy, after which he sat down breathless in his chair and chuckled till he cried. In his best clothes, Scrooge went out into the busy streets, smiling at everyone. He looked so irresistibly pleasant that many wished him a Merry Christmas. He spied the portly gentleman who had walked into his counting-house the day before, seeking a donation for the poor. It sent a pang across his heart. He took the old gentleman by both hands.
2: My dear sir, how do you do? I hope you succeeded yesterday. It was very kind of you. A merry Christmas to you, sir. Mr. Scrooge? Yes, that is my name, and I fear it may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon, and will you have the goodness to— Scrooge whispered into the man's ear, startling him. "'Lord, bless me! My dear Mr. Scrooge, are you serious?' "'If you please, and not a farthing less. A great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Will you do me that favour? "'My dear sir, I don't know what to
0: say.' Scrooge kindly said he didn't need to say anything, and asked him to come see him, at which the man readily agreed. "'Thank ye. I am much obliged to you.' I thank you fifty times. Bless you! Scrooge went to church and walked the streets and watched the people hurrying by. He had never dreamt anything could give him such happiness. He went to his nephew's house and passed it a dozen times before he had the courage to knock. The girls showed him to the dining room where master and mistress were, and he went in. "'Fred!' Dear heart alive, how his niece by marriage started! And Fred could hardly believe his eyes. It is a mercy he didn't shake his arm off. Scrooge was at home in five minutes. His niece looked just the same. So did Topper when he came. So did the plump sister when she came. So did everyone when they came. Wonderful party, wonderful games, A wonderful happiness." Scrooge was early in his office next morning and had his heart set on catching Bob Cratchit come in late, and he did, too. Bob was a full eighteen minutes and a half behind his time when he crept in with his hat off and got upon
2: his stool. Cratchit, what do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I am very sorry, sir. I am behind my time. Yes, I think you are. Step this way, if you please. Uh, It's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. Now, I'll tell you what, my friend. I am not going to stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, I'm going to raise
0: your salary. Scrooge leapt up and gave Bob such a dig in the waistcoat that he staggered back. Trembling, Bob had a momentary idea of knocking Scrooge down and calling for help. "'A
2: merry Christmas, Bob, a merry a Christmas, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. "'I'll raise your salary and assist your struggling family, "'and we'll discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of smoking Bishop, Bob. "'Make up the fires and buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye, Bob
0: Cratchit!' "'Scrooge was better than his word. "'He did it all and infinitely more, and to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father.' He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh. His own heart laughed too, and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, and it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone.
5: This production of Charles Dickens' immortal classic, A Christmas Carol, was adapted by Dennis D. Skirvin of Wilmington, Delaware, for five readers to present. The cast of talented readers includes James Cassis, Nick Waller, Anthea Piskarik, John Prendergast, and Tony Maxwell. A Christmas Carol was made available for broadcast to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network by Dennis D. Skirvin. Mr. Skirvin has also made it available to the Cathedral of St. Peter in Wilmington as a fundraiser. If you would like to show your appreciation for this broadcast by making a modest offering, the Cathedral and Mr. Skirvin would be sincerely thankful. You may mail your donations to Cathedral of St. Peter, 500 Northwest Street, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801. Thank you and Merry Christmas.
2: Christmas from EWTN Radio. This is
6: Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it's become a bad habit in our society to celebrate Christmas before it comes. We've forgotten the glory of anticipation. The presents should not be opened until Christmas. That, of course, is part of the excitement. And while we know the gifts are coming chesterton reminds us that the best kind of gift is the surprise gift and if we have the right perspective we should look at everything as a gift and every gift as a surprise gift we are happy to wake up on christmas morning and
7: this is len oswald president of the guadalupe radio network On behalf of all the GRN family of employees, we hope and pray that you and your family have a very blessed Christmas season and New Year. You, our GRN family of listeners, have always been instrumental in bringing the pure light of Christ to so many through your prayers and generous support during every year the GRN has been on the air. Each time a hand reaches out to turn on the radio and the Catholic truths begin flowing through the airwaves, you have set a light of flame that glows brightly in this time of darkness that our nation and world are going through. So as we celebrate the Christmas season and find hope in the arrival of a new year, we reaffirm our commitment with your help to keep that flame ablaze through all the GRN stations. This is your GRN Family Minute. We are always radio for your soul.
2: Merry Christmas from the Guadalupe Radio Network family. I'm Tim Mott, the general manager of the GRN station in Houston, Texas, KSHJ. Christmas is a time for family. My family has already made a gingerbread house and eaten it on the same day. The dog knocked over the Christmas tree, and we've bonded, watching our favorite Christmas movie. But even if your family isn't a source of joy for you, remember that you are loved by this GRN family and by the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Merry Christmas.
6: Love, a child and a Redeemer, Jesus born this day. Word made flesh and gently sleeping, peace for all. hope for a humble birth come oh come adore Jesus Christ the Lord
7: Oswald, President of the Guadalupe Radio Network. My wife Joanne and I would like to wish all of our GRN listeners and their families a very blessed Christmas and a Happy New Year.
5: Hi, this is Toya Hall, Vice President of the Guadalupe Radio Network. I want to thank you, Guadalupe Radio family, for your prayers and gifts that provide support for your GRN station. I pray that you and your loved ones will have a most blessed Advent, a joyful Christmas, and a new year filled with peace and love.
2: K-A-T-H 910-A